You're listening to the Experience Sikhi podcast, a deeper look into the Sikh identity. We present to you open, honest, and inspiring stories. No armor, pretense, or sugarcoating. Wahegur Ji Ka Khalsa, Wahegur Ji Ki Fateh. Welcome to the Experience Sikhi podcast. I'm Dilraj Singh. We begin the podcast by acknowledging that we are meeting on Aboriginal land that has been inhabited by Indigenous peoples from the beginning. As settlers, we're grateful for the opportunity to meet here, and we thank all the generations of people who have taken care of this land for thousands of years. In particular, we acknowledge the traditional territory of the Anishinaabek and the Huron-Wendat. Also, just some reminders, if you like the podcast, please remember to comment, rate, and subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Google Play. You can also send us questions and feedback at podcast at experiencesikhi.com. Once again, that's podcast at experiencesikhi.com. Our guest today is Manlin Kaur. Manlin Kaur is currently a high school teacher with the Richmond School District, teaching social studies, career life education, languages, and art. She completed her Bachelor of Arts in History and Bachelor of Education at Simon Fraser University. An interesting fact about her is as part of her teaching practicum, she lived with monks in Atharamsala in India. And this is also one of our episodes that we've done with guests in British Columbia, so one of our Canada-wide episodes. So here's Manlene Kaur. Wahiguji ka khalsa, wahiguji ki Thank you so much for being on the show with us. I know it's been um, a struggle trying to coordinate a lot of the Ontario <laughs> and British Columbia times. But uh, again, how are you doing today? I am good. I'm a little bit, I have a cold, so I might be a little bit stuffy, but I'm doing really well and I'm really excited to be talking to you. Awesome. We really appreciate you taking the time. And for our listeners who may not know who Manlene Kaur is, can you start by telling us a bit about yourself? Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I, as you said, I'm a teacher, a high school teacher in Richmond, BC. I was born in Ontario. We moved to Vancouver when I was about six years old. Um, I've always had way too many passions and hobbies. <laughs> I have a very creative mind, so I like to do lots of different things, including but not limited to sewing and drawing and um, art and just being active in general. Uh, I have a sister and a brother that are quite a lot older than me. Uh, my sister is 12 years older than me. Uh, and we've had her on the podcast actually before, Ginjot Gore. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and my brother, um, his name is Damin, and he is nine years older than me. So I've grown up with a lot of older people in my life, which I think has influenced how I act and behave. <laughs> Um, and then I have my, uh, I live with my parents, uh, who are just amazing people. And I feel very blessed to have, uh, I went to SFU and I graduated, as you said, with my bachelor's of education and bachelor's of history. Uh, and I had some really amazing experiences. So, uh, I did get to go to Dharamsala in India and we got to live with monks and, uh, see what the Buddhist lifestyle was like and that's actually where the Dalai Lama lives which I actually didn't know myself for a really long time I just assumed he was in Tibet but apparently India took yeah. him in in the 1950s which is super cool to learn about <laughs> um did you yeah. sorry I just want to tap into mm -hmm. that a little bit did you actually yeah. live out the lifestyle of the monks or you were there just observing them uh we so basically they have their own like 
India has like granted them the ability to like live in their like even their education system is segregated like they get to do everything on their own so we didn't live out the way the monks lived but we got to so we went to the schools and and in the schools there are some monks but then the rest are just like Tibetan kids but within their education system is um, basically like Buddhism is like ingrained into their system so we got to Mm -hmm. see how they like the way they teach is very different than the way we teach because obviously we teach in Canada we're not supposed to talk about religion and all those things to an extent uh but in in india well not in india but in this like segregated community they it's basically embedded into it so everything they do is like uh love compassion like they talk about these things when they are teaching concepts like math and social studies Mm -hmm. which is really interesting did you get to pick where you wanted to go on this uh well, not exchange, but as part of your teaching practicum, or was this assigned to you? Um, so there was two options. It was Mexico or India, hmm. and I, I got placed in India. And originally, I I didn't know it was like in this different area. I was just I thought it was just yeah. going to be India, and I was like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think I would like a different experience than going to India. Uh, but then once I found out that it was like with the Tibetan monks and what their system was like I was really excited I had originally thought about asking about switching and trying to go to Mexico Mm. but once I heard uh, the spiritual aspect of it I was really inclined and I was like oh this is meant to be because the the um, the people I went to school with that went to Mexico had a totally different experience than we did ours ours was very spiritual based and theirs was I Mexico is like kind of more for partying, I guess. <laughs> so they really oh, enjoyed fair. that. And I was like really glad actually in the end that I got to go to Dharamsala. Awesome. So I, I fast tracked a bit, but can we hear a little bit more about, you mentioned your two bachelor's degrees. Uh, you've also had a fairly unique career path, which included a career change. So do you want to walk us through your academic studies and where you worked over the years? Yes, for sure. So I... Basically, when I graduated high school, I had very, I was very clueless. I didn't really know. I had, I'm a very like, uh, I have too many things going on in my head all the time. So just in the same way that there's too many things going on in my head, there's also too many things I want to do. So I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. So I took a bunch of different classes. I took like criminology, psychology, journalism, anything that was interesting to me, I took those classes. Um, I really thought I would be a journalist, but I'm way too detail oriented and like my stories go on forever and ever. And my teacher was like, this isn't going to work for you. So that was interesting to learn all those things. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I eventually found law and uh, I was really interested in that and I became a paralegal. So I did my uh, like a diploma and I worked as a paralegal. I was about 19 years old. So it's quite young and yeah. I worked in a law firm in West Van and uh, it was a very unique experience at that age I think because all my friends were still in school and finishing their degrees and I was working full-time yeah. and uh, actually had two jobs so I also worked at, in retail at Forever 21. <laughs> I don't know if that exists anywhere <laughs> but <laughs> I had two jobs so I was working full-time. I really really enjoyed it Uh, but it was, I got to see 
what the life of a lawyer was like because my long-term plan was to go to law school mm-hmm. and once I saw what their life was like I <laughs> was like ah, I don't know if this is for me <laughs> because yeah. they were just on call all the time like it didn't matter what time of day it was if their client needed them they needed to be there uh and I guess like I'm sure eventually you establish yourself and it becomes easier to take time off and it also depends what type of law you do but I Mm -hmm. just kind of looked at the bigger picture and I was like I don't think this is for me (laughs) like I don't think I'm going to be able to go down this path um also because of what I wanted long term and my, my main goal which was embedded sorry I'm like stuffy. Um, the main goal for me growing up was I wanted to change someone's life in some way or not even change someone's mm-hmm. life, but do bring good to the world. And yeah. I'm sure it's possible, maybe like, especially like immigration lawyers, like you're helping people, but I just didn't think it was going to bring me that like sense of fulfillment. And mm-hmm. so I and also all my friends were still in school so I was like "Ah, I better go back to school (laughs) so I went back to school um I started doing HR so a very long journey I started doing uh, HR courses and my sister-in-law is actually in HR and she kind of told me what it was like and she was like you're gonna have to fire people sometimes and deal with like tough situations and I was like oh (laughs) we don't know if that's good for me either (laughs) I'm very emotional (laughs) So mm-hmm. like I'm pretty sure I would start they would start crying I would start crying I was like you could have my job <laughs> so I'm like not sure if this is good for me um yeah. but I I was trying to figure it out I was kind of I wouldn't even say I was like lost I was just I think the sense of like you need to know exactly what you need to do after high school is mm-hmm. just not realistic because you change so much the older you get your life experiences shape who you are. So I feel like it's really hard yeah. to really know what you want to do. So I was trying to figure things out. I was taking a business course and then um, we had presentations and my professor actually, he pulled me aside after a presentation because I had a group that was not very effective. <laughs> they were not getting stuff done. And I was like mm-hmm. really trying to rally everybody and trying to figure things out. And I had talked to him at one point uh, prior to our presentations and I kind of told him like I'm trying to figure things out but like we're not getting stuff done in time and then I and then we presented and after we presented he pulled me aside and uh he asked to he asked to see me in his office and I was super nervous (laughs) I was like oh god what did I do uh but we went into the office and he sat me down and he said you should be a teacher and I was like what (laughs) and he was like Like after seeing you present, after seeing how you've dealt with your group, like you, you're meant to be a teacher, like you can do my job. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) I was probably like 20 or something. And this like professor of business is telling me that I can do his job, which I was like, wow, that's really amazing. But I told him my career path and how I had gone into law and like all my interests and he said you can you can teach law like you can be a professor of law if you want to he's like you have the ability the way that you talk um I don't know maybe it was the way it presented maybe it was the way that I dealt with my classmates I'm not sure Mm -hmm. um but he really inspired me and he asked me like have you ever thought about it and I 
I said, I've thought about every career. <laughs> but when I was in high school, my teachers were on strike. <laughs> so I assumed <laughs> yes. it was not a good job. <laughs> like, they must be yeah. really unhappy. Um, but he yeah. said, no, you can do any, like, you don't have to be a teacher in a school, like you can be a professor. So I was like, okay. And I thought about it. And I, I sat down and I, uh, my brother in law, actually, uh, my sister's husband, who's super, super cool. He, um, he sat down with me and we figured out all my options. So like all the things I was interested in, I wrote down everything and I wrote down what mm -hmm. it would take to get me there. So what, uh, yeah. what I would need to do in school. And I wrote everything down and I, and I also just had to think about not only that, but like, what's going to make me like maybe happy here. And I was, yeah. I, I did think like teaching would make me happy but I can't tell you at that point that I was like 100% positive I was still like mm -hmm. maybe we'll see um I had a I have a friend uh her name is Bill Preach she was actually my science teacher in high school but also an old family oh. friend <laughs> and she wow. let me kind of come into her class once a week I didn't even and then like I just got to see what it was like and I was like okay this is not bad Again, I wouldn't say mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my God, yes, this is exactly what I need to do. But I was like, this yeah. is interesting. And I could maybe see myself doing this uh, long term. And I love history. I'm a big, big history buff. So I finished my undergrad in history. And I applied to the teaching program. And then I got in. And uh, I got accepted into the international module, which is only 30 people. So wow. I felt really lucky. And I felt like, okay. It took me a lot of work. It took a lot of time. But once I started doing it, and especially I think when I got to India, I was like, wow, this is so cool. <laughs> like, this is so amazing. Yeah. And it's starting to really align with like, it's it's something that I have interest in, but it's also aligning with like my values as a human being and like my values yeah. like that I was brought up with particularly in like terms with Sikhi, right? Like I was like, wow, this is actually like fitting so well because I never thought I would want to go and teach in India. Like, yeah. I don't know. That seems like a very, it, it seems cool, but I didn't think that that's be, that would be something I'd be interested in. But once I went mm -hmm. and I got to be a part of this community, that's not just talking about like school as in here's math and science and English, but no, there's so much more to education. Actually education is, what forms us as a human as humans like what we're going to figure out what we're going to do and and then in reflection and they make you reflect a lot a lot a lot a lot in the education program which I thought was so annoying yeah. and then afterwards I was like wow no this is super beneficial and in that in all that reflection I started to realize like wow this is connecting a lot with who I am and it was in that process of actually being in the program that I realized like I think I'm going to be very, very happy in this job. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. A long tangent. Um, it was, but you, <laughs> I see what your professor meant because he covered so many of the questions I would have asked. Um, in terms of, so since you already technically had some of the qualities that a teacher should have, at least according to your professor, what does, well, here we call it teacher's college in Ontario, but what does the, bachelor's of education program add um to your like skill set to your education what are you actually being taught in that program yeah um so essentially 
I think so SFU and UBC I know that they're a little bit different some are some schools are theory based and some are more practical mm-hmm. uh, SFU from my understanding is more practical so we do a lot of hands-on uh, learning and understanding like what when you are teaching a student any concept what are things that will work well so like there's things like scaffolding so you you start mm-hmm. at a basic concept and you add layers and levels and that's how you can get into a you can start from something basic and and then eventually students are able to think way outside the box so there's yeah. a lot of practical uh so there's a lot of um doing practical things that help so what are you going to do in class that's going to help the students learn how to engage students how to uh, make sure that they're not just you're not just talking at them which I for mm-hmm. sure sometimes do like I probably just did uh, but that you're not just talking at them that you're engaging uh, you're engaging students and also you learn about all the different types of students because there's so many different types of kids and we all mm-hmm. learn differently I'm sure you probably had that experience in school that you learned differently than somebody yeah. else um, but yeah, we learn about all the different types of students and how to basically help different types of kids in different types of ways. So they just give you a lot of practical tools. Like, I think a lot of my learning was about the tools around uh, tools to give to kids to help them. Mm-hmm. And then I think content wise, like what you're going to teach them, it, there's like a, a small portion of that where you do that. But I think it would be it's mostly focused on day to day getting kids engaged and and then also uh like your pedagogy so what what is your pedagogy yeah yeah so like what are you trying to bring into the school system and like how are you helping these students so um i think that was something that was really that's that kind of goes hand in hand with the reflection portion yeah yeah so we got to talk about figuring out what our pedagogy is and how that's going to affect our teaching abilities and being very well aware that you're going to be a lifelong learner that was a huge concept yeah that you will be learning forever and ever and that was really in line with again like that's like sick is a learner so I I when when I was learning these things I was like okay wow this is amazing because I got to put it into practice and I in my Mm -hmm. assignments I got to make the connection between who I am and what my teaching philosophy is going to be. Did you have any mentors along the way? Is Because, for example, I'm in law school now, and a lot of the um, the support network in law is pretty, is pretty vast, and we have upper-year students who are always opening to mentor um, lawyers, paralegals. They're willing to like grab you by the arm and um, get you through the challenges that they faced. So... Does that type of mentorship culture exist amongst the teaching field as well? Or is it more you find your own space and you you find out a lot of things for yourself before you enter the classroom? Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a huge mentorship. Uh, there's actually programs within each district actually as well. Okay. Yeah. So especially I think the first five years that you're a teacher, there's you can apply to be a part of this mentorship program that will allow you to basically get help from teachers who volunteered their time to help you. Uh, But also aside from that, I think like I definitely, you're right. I 
covered a lot because I mentioned <laughs> there's a <laughs> one teacher that I know her name is Zilpreet and she mm-hmm. she really helped me a lot like she was a big help and actually every teacher that impacted my life I reached out to them while I was going into the teaching program and yeah. uh, just to tell them first of all that I had decided this path and because and that they were a huge part of that reason and also mm-hmm. and then like right away as soon as all you have to say is thank you and they're willing they're like their hands are out like how can I help you and what can I do for you yeah. um so yeah I think there's a big similar to law than it seems is there's a big community of like I think any teacher that if you ask for their help they will help mm-hmm. you I don't even think it matters if you know them or not um they will they're definitely willing to help because I know I'm in the same boat now as as soon as I see someone's yeah. interested in teaching I'm like oh I like get excited you know like here let me like what are you interested in this is my journey this is yeah. what maybe you could try so yeah I think there's a um I think that's what a teacher is meant to do anyways right like we're not just we shouldn't mm-hmm. just be trying to help students that we're teaching we're we should apply that to our yeah. lives and those around us and I think yeah I think every teacher that I know definitely does do that Speaking of the students that you teach, um, obviously a lot of us have been through the school system, so we know vaguely what a teacher does, but obviously there's more to the job than being in the classroom from nine to three. So what does being a teacher actually entail? What are you doing outside of the classroom um, after school hours that the students don't see? Uh, A lot. (laughs) Way way too much. (laughs) Uh, I also, I think being in the school system did not realize the extent of work that my teachers did for me. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, it is a lot. I think within your first five years of teaching, uh, that's when they say is like the most amount of work because you're creating a lot of content. Um, Especially in my boat, I'm, I, I teach everything under the sun. So I, I haven't had consistency where eventually like, let's say I keep teaching socials nine every year. I have built, I build a base and then you're really just like changing and adding to it, which you will do forever because you need to continuously change and add, but it's nice to build that base. So I think in the first five years, that is usually what happens. You're able to build the base, but also within the first couple of years of teaching, you might be teaching a lot of very random things like myself. So you kind of have to you're creating content all the time so I I I say I'm working all the time because I really do feel like I'm working all the time um you're just I'm building content I'm marking and grading constantly uh even when you're building not even just building content you have to also adjust for students needs because yeah uh, like I said there's so many different types of learners uh and then there's also learners who have like uh there's things called IEP. I don't know if it's the same in Ontario. It is. Yeah. So individualized education plans. And that's not just for students with um, diverse needs. Well, it is for students for diverse needs, but not in the way that maybe we used to think of it, where it's just Hmm. somebody who has um, a diagnosis. It can also be for a student who just maybe has anxiety, right? Like that student will also have an IEP. So they've really tried to cover a lot more over the the past couple of years, which I think is really great. Uh, but then it's also my job to, I have to check how many IEPs I have, how many students are ELL, so English language learners, yeah. and I have to adjust. So I might make a test, but then I also have to make tests 
that are, have word banks in them or I have to make a test that have, or if I do notes, like I have to do fill in the blank notes. I have to, I have to create options all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that takes a lot of work. It's not, yeah. it's definitely not simple and it's not easy. And that's just, that's creating like worksheets, but I'm also creating content like that's digestible for the students. And mm-hmm. that changes because every year because your class makeup is different. So I might have, yeah. Right now, I have one class that has uh, 23 boys and <laughs> and like four girls. So wow, yeah. So that I've had to change the content that I'm teaching. Obviously, the base curriculum is similar, but how I'm going to get that information across is going to change now because hmm. the boys are not going to sit and nicely. Not to say that they're all the same, but. I wouldn't say that much has changed. <laughs> They're very active right. and <laughs> I don't know a better term than rowdy, honestly. <laughs> so I have to really adjust how, how am I going to get them information? Like I'm, if I'm teaching yeah. them, this is a career life tech class and I'm trying to teach them what a smart goal is. And well, if it was a girl, if it was girls, a, a majority of girls, I would have to, I would have a different way. In this class, I've decided we're going to watch Coach Carter because sports, right? We all, they love their sports. (laughs) And okay, we're going to learn about discipline. We're going to learn about what a smart goal is. And, and that's, I have to adjust basically. So like, I always have Mm -hmm. to, you're always adjusting. You're always finding new ways and you want to make class interesting. Like I hated sitting in classes before, right? Like I'm sure you Mm -hmm. did too, when you're just like, the teacher's just talking at you and you're writing notes and you're like you're falling asleep and you're like, when am I going to get out of here? I really take pride in like students being engaged in my class. And so mm-hmm. that can take a lot though. So sometimes it's also taking a step back and being like, no, today we're writing notes and that's okay. But tomorrow we'll do something yeah. engaging. So yeah, it's a lot of outside work time that we definitely do not get paid for. <laughs> uh, you get, yeah. yeah, you get paid for, uh, 830 to three is what I get paid for. And the rest is yeah. all my time. The time that I mark all their tests and their assignments is, um, it's not paid. So we get one prep, but it's not nearly enough time for the amount of, for the other seven classes <laughs> that you're teaching. So is it that much better than being a lawyer or a paralegal? <laughs> because at least we have billable hours. Um, That's true. <laughs> no that is true it's a it's a lot to take in because you always hear that yes teachers have things to do outside of the classroom but also realizing if you are teaching multiple classes and you have tests marking like 27 tests already takes long enough and then you got to do that for another four classes um yeah, I'm just sorry. I'm just like now getting no, it's, it's, it's being put into perspective for me that maybe I should have appreciated some of my teachers a bit more than I did. Right. Um, I, they also I don't think... make like what professors make. No, which is uh, which is a true. bit unfair. It's it's definitely an underappreciated, uh, underpaid. I would say for sure, considering the amount of work yeah. that we do. But maybe underappreciated to an extent. I would say mm. when it, when a student. Like, I just don't know if I would get the same fulfillment that I get when I, when a student yeah. comes and tells me, I like, I mean, for me, a student says, 
like tells me thank you. I, I've actually had this conversation with my career life class when I was, I've told them also my mm-hmm. journey because I'm trying to tell them about, you know, it's not so easy to decide yeah. what you want to do. And I told them like, you know, when a student just comes in, like just says thank you to me, like that is, and then it was really sweet actually, the whole class, they're all like, they all said it together. Thank you, Miss Sang. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, see, it's stuff like that. Where like, yeah. you're going to make me cry now because that's really sweet. And there's 24 boys. And who would think that all these 24 boys would, yeah. you know, be be sweet enough to think like, you know, she cares about her job and that's really nice. So yeah, you're right. It's not, <laughs> it's a lot of work for sure. Yeah, I wouldn't change it for the world like ever. I, 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 in doing the job, I'm so passionate about it. I can't even really begin to describe how passionate I am about it because I think the way it makes me feel is, I, I just don't think I would feel that way with any other career. That's fair. I'm going to, I'm going to backtrack a little bit to when you were changing careers. Sure. Did you face any opposition? You had support from your brother-in-law, you mentioned your sister, your mentors. Did you face any opposition at home? Because for some parents, it might be like, Hey, she has a job. Um, it's a, it's a good full time. Well, you were working too at the time, mm-hmm. but paralegal is a respectable career. It's something that's pretty stable. And now she's going to go back to school, uproot that that um, career in the making and be become something else was there ever any opposition um no definitely not I think because I was so young I don't think they were too concerned Mm -hmm. it was like I mean even to this day if I really wanted to I could go become a paralegal um and and like I can I can I have taught law because I have it in my background so I teach law in high school um but yeah, no, I don't think so. I think because I was so young, I don't think they were concerned about that. Mm. And my dad is Fair. really big on education. So I didn't have a degree technically. So I just had the diploma. And I think he was, he wanted me to get my degree. Like school is huge for him and getting mm-hmm. your education is big. So, and I, maybe that's also part of my influence of <laughs> caring about education so much, but no, there was yeah. definitely no backlash. Um, I think they were proud of the fact that I had kind of figured things out so early on, but also I don't think they wanted me to settle if I didn't want to settle. I don't know if I talked to them about it that much, though, to be honest. I I, mm. I think I probably, my siblings, so I for me, my siblings are like my second set of parents. Um, yeah. yeah, because they're, because of the age difference so I really think I probably leaned on them more especially my sister and my brother-in-law at that time um so I probably I talked to them about it more and I I think my parents were just like (laughs) go along with the flow but they never brought any concerns for me but I am like I'm privileged in the fact that my like my dad did fully pay for my education so that's something Mm -hmm. that I know a lot of people don't have that privilege and I I do feel really grateful that yeah he was he was so willing and never mentioned it it was just like automatic I didn't even realize honestly that people don't pay for their own like people pay for their own school I was like wow I'm such a (laughs) too hoity-toity I don't I didn't even know (laughs) I had no idea because he made me he, he made me feel so he made us just feel like education is really important knowing what you know now what do you feel like 
Um, what do you feel like are some of the qualities that a successful teacher should have? It's a good question. Um, patience, <laughs> for sure. You need lots Fair. of patience. Um, I think you need to be very compassionate and understanding. Uh, those are, I would say, like the top three. But also, uh, I think flexibility and adaptability too. Like being able to really mm. like adjust yourself because it's never how you, there's never been a lesson that I'm like, this is going to go, it's never gone the exact way that I planned it in my head. Cause there's mm-hmm. so many very, like there's so many things that could go sideways or, and sometimes there's a class that I think, Oh, it's going to be, they're not going to love this, but we have to get it done. And then it ends up being like the best class ever. So you have to be really adaptable. Uh, you have to be able to be compassionate, understanding to, the students because I think when we're when we were in school I don't think we really realized uh, how many different things kids are going through you know you're just like oh this kid's just a jerk like you don't think yeah oh actually this kid is might have a b and c going on at home and and a lot of the times we're Mm -hmm. privy to those things but sometimes we're not right like we don't really know everything that's going on in their lives so I think being compassionate and understanding for sure um, but you you do also have to be able to have like discipline because they will also take advantage of you. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, that goes yeah. hand in hand with the flexibility, like compassion and understanding, but also you need to be firm and you need, you need to know your boundaries for sure. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot to take in. Mm-hmm. Um, especially now because teaching is becoming, or at least teachers are becoming a lot more proactive in mm-hmm. students' lives, where it wasn't the case when when we were in school. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, you you've had a career change. Um, you're enjoying what you're doing now, and you've always had that motivation of of you know bringing some change to someone's life. Has there been a moment um, where you've sat back and thought that after that moment that it was all worth it? Has any moment like that stuck out to you? in terms of your teaching career so far? Um, there's been a few. Uh, on it, Like every time a kid tells me, thank you. <laughs> like, I don't know, that yeah. is, there's like, I don't think there's one outstanding moment just yet, but there's uh, actually maybe, I don't know. I've had, I've gotten some cards that have said like, you changed my life in ways you'll never know. And that is like, wow. yeah, I'm like, I, what, <laughs> what did I do? I don't know. But I think there's, I don't know, all those cards. I don't think there is one moment because maybe because I have so many students and I, yeah, yeah I think I have so many of them, but when like all of those students, they, they, they come and they give me things or they, or they just say things. And like, I think it, it is one, job where you get like I did say underappreciated in a way it is but I don't think you get that sense of like fulfillment in well actually I don't know about other people but I don't think so because when a a student comes and tells you that you've done this for them you're like wow that's pretty amazing I I think I'm maybe it's only been four years so I think there'll be a point maybe when a student comes and tells me they've they're at this point in their life that maybe I'll have that moment but I think 
one thing that does stick out to me is there's been a day where I just had the most terrible day, just like nonstop, just chaos all day. And then I sat in my car and I was like, wow, I still love my job. Like, I feel so grateful. Like, I don't know. I still, no matter, even though this day was like not fun, I still feel like this is the right thing for me. Like, I still love my job. I still feel so passionate about it. So I don't think there's really one thing that stuck out, but I think it's the the constant little, the little things, the little, like, the kids will buy you little random little tokens of appreciation they'll give you. And, like, you're like, this is so random, but it's so sweet <laughs> because, you know, yeah. I've affected you in some way that you feel grateful. And if I can bring that type of gratitude into your life, I hope you can take that with you when you move out into the real world. I'm glad you mentioned that. I just had a flashback to elementary and realized I used to say I'm going to become a teacher, but it was solely based off the fact that during like the winter break before we'd go on break, everyone would bring presents for the teacher. Teacher. And I think like, wow, imagine getting 30 presents. Some of them were really good. Like you get like blenders and stuff. Yeah. Um, Uh, Well, elementary, elementary school teachers, they're, they're living the good life <laughs> because yeah yeah because their parents like but I like there's up to a certain grade especially where like the teacher always gets mm-hmm. presents I think in like because yeah. I teach high school it's really I think it makes it for me even more special because it's of their own like prerogative mm-hmm. like they've decided like their their parent wasn't like okay go give this to your teacher it's like they yeah. chose to spend their own money which they don't have a lot of right now to get you something and like that is so so sweet I think to me like they'll give me like, I've gotten like Starbucks gift cards because they see I have Starbucks every morning or just yeah. and like that's you know you I know you bought that because you saw something and like that's really sweet but it is nice but and, and also sometimes I have kids who say I, I think I want to be a teacher it seems like fun because <laughs> they just mm-hmm. see us enjoying our jobs and that even just yeah. that's so nice to hear <laughs> That that brings up another question. Um, on those days that are a bit tough, or like again, you may be having like a tough week. Uh, there may be things going on, but you still have to be in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, do you try your best to still make it a good time for your students? How do you manage? Um, I, I don't want to say double life, but mm-hmm. it's you have to put on a face. So, what does that process look like? Is it hard to do? Yes, for sure. I think. Uh, mm-hmm. I think like sometimes in your personal life, things are going on and it might be hard. Yeah. And sometimes like, I know I'm quite busy person. I have a lot going on, as you know, took some time to get here today, but um, I, I do get overwhelmed. And uh, I think sometimes, yeah, it'll, it'll come out and it's just really like, hmm. I just kind of have to stop and just remember that like, what I do affects them like so much and I really have to be thoughtful of my actions and and I'm not gonna I'm not perfect there's times like I'm sure we all remember like you're like your teacher is having a bad day today (laughs) like they're in a mood a lot of the times I will tell them like they'll be like talking Mm -hmm. talking and I'll be like today's not the day (laughs) we're like you know it's not the day we're not having a good day like you have bad days yeah. I have bad days because the reality is like I'm human too right like I'm not this mm-hmm. like super human person that doesn't have hard days um but I also try not to make it like uh something that's like 
constant. Like, you know, if at some point you also have to be like, okay, no, I do have to put on this show and I do have to like engage them and I, I have to just put aside my my personal life or things that are going on. Um, but it, it can be difficult. Uh, it can be it can be really hard <laughs> sometimes and yeah. especially when like you're already on edge and then they just kind of push you over the edge and it's really hard mm-hmm. to like re- reel yourself in um I think the nice thing about teaching is like like I have a colleague next door who I can just like kind of step outside and I'll <laughs> just to have yeah. a little bit of a vent session like okay I'm feeling really frustrated but like the thing is it's not them right it's not their fault and so I mm-hmm. I have to be aware of that I have had times where maybe I'm feeling uh, really anxious and, and I've called in to work and as like, so our, yeah. my admin is great. Like they do encourage, like I, I, I think like mental health is super important. So like that to me is a sick day, right? It's like, I don't feel like I'm going to bring my best self and it's, it's going to impact the kids negatively. I mm-hmm. don't want to bring that energy to them and I don't think I can control that energy. Then I will take a step back. Yeah. And I have, I definitely have, um, like I have an anxiety disorder, so I get really anxious and I'm pretty good at managing it, but there have been times mm-hmm. where it's been bad enough that I've been like, yeah, I'm, I don't think it's good for me to come in today and I need to take care of myself yeah. as well, because in order to take care of other people, we have to take care of ourselves. Right. And, and we tell mm-hmm. the kids that all the time, but if I'm not practicing it, why are they going to practice it? Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, we're going to switch gears a little bit into something we haven't talked about yet. Some of our listeners may know that you're somewhat active on social media and you are, I, I guess, at least in my eyes, considered a content creator. Yeah. So do you want to <laughs> plug in your, your Instagram and where did this, um, why did you feel the need to create the content that you do? Um, yeah, it's Miss Sanga two A's I think I haven't been very active (laughs) lately at all but um I do plan on getting back there eventually uh I so I started that because um in creating like I said I try to make my like presentations and things interactive and engaging Uh, I'm a visual learner so I like to see illustrations and like I use little like gifts and stuff in my powerpoints and and I think mm-hmm. that's engaged and the kids love it and so I think it's nice to have um illustrations and so I think I was looking for something um I think it might have been for Kudadani Kriji's good group I was so also I've tried to bring to my school community like who I am so like every important significant event I like I will bring like samosa or something for my staff and give them the opportunity to learn so I wanted to like Mm -hmm. I was kind of looking for things to give to them and I couldn't I just couldn't really find anything that like spoke to me or it like really stood out to me and I think I I wanted to create something so I was just like going to put something together on like Canva or something super quick yeah but there was no like like there was no representation of like a like a gorsik or like or even just like a Punjabi girl like there was just no proper Mm -hmm. I just couldn't find anything everything was just so stereotypical or like yeah it's just not like it just wasn't nice (laughs) like I don't want to use this it didn't it also wasn't aesthetically pleasing I in a lot like the options compared to the options that like a Caucasian person had 
mm-hmm. I, we didn't have this option. And so that kind of got me thinking like, okay, like how can I create, how can I do like create something? Like, can I create it? Can I like, I think at first I was trying to like cartoonify things like those little, those little, I don't know, websites, but it was so bad. It was just yeah. like weird lines. I was like, okay, this is not working. And then, yeah, so that's kind of what me, got me started into like, okay, maybe I can draw it. Um, like it started with a cartoonifying because I wanted a cartoon version or like an illustration of like a gosik uh, and I couldn't mm-hmm. find it. And then uh, that's what, what got me into it. And I started YouTubing things and this like YouTube is my should sponsor me because that's how I started sewing too. I just YouTubed, I YouTube everything. And then I mm-hmm. figured out how to draw and I got a pen and an iPad and I started drawing it. And that's kind of where that started is I wanted representation. Um, I wanted to be able to see myself and the people I knew in yeah. uh, illustrations in things around the school that would speak to me as a teenager, which I never saw as a teen. I never saw I don't know if you ever saw anything that represented you (laughs) but fair um no I don't I don't think I have Mm -hmm. um and I think even seeing well they're not recent but but seeing some of the posters that you have uh in terms of cartoonifying actually making it something that was I don't know if digestible is the the right word but something that's easy to share Mm -hmm. um easy to read, easy to understand, and, and then easy to visualize when you when you have it in front of you. Um, one of the interesting things you've been able to do is also partner with Sikh Heritage Month BC. Do you want to speak about the work you've done with them? Yes, for sure. Um, yeah, they so they've reached out to me. Actually, one of the, uh, I'm not sure if she's a, a founder or a member, but she I think she's in charge of the education portion, and she I, we went to school together. We actually went to India together. Yeah, which is wow. very cool. And uh, she reached out to me about making posters because they wanted to, basically, it was really in line with what my thought was. Again, like you said, like making things digestible. Like I wanted yeah. something easy to share so people can read it. Like we're, we live in an era of like, you know, things need to be quick. You need to be able to see something. It needs to be quick. You need to get it and move on. Yeah. So I think in the same way, uh, bringing that into a classroom is what they wanted to do and so so she reached out to me about making posters and so I've made the posters and I'm currently in the process of finishing up this year's posters actually so uh she reached out to me about making those posters and and uh we distribute well they distribute them to all the districts so um mm-hmm. they're actually in my school right now as well and they're in many schools that I've been to so they have all these posters which is like so amazing to see representation yeah like I just I never saw it growing up I uh I think it's such an amazing thing that they're doing so they also have lesson plans that go along with each poster so that Mm -hmm. teachers can actually use the lesson plan and teach so about uh well April is the heritage month and and so they get to teach about it and yeah I think it's really amazing I'm very grateful to be part of that that's really interesting I don't think we or I'm not 100% sure if we have something similar in Ontario, mm-hmm. but I'm hoping that, who knows, maybe, <laughs> I know maybe. you're very busy, but maybe, yeah. <laughs> we'll, maybe we'll get them to yeah. to ask you to take that on too. Um, since we've started talking about Sikh Heritage Month, I'd like to transition a little bit into your personal journey into Sikhi. Um, 
where does it start? Is it something that you grew up with? Is it something that you discovered later? Um, I know I wasn't the one who interviewed um, your older sister, but Benji had, she she's had her history with Saki and she's a great inspiration to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So where did your personal journey start? Yeah, so I we did grow up um, in a Sikh household. My dad is like, I think our biggest inspiration uh, in terms of Saki, I'm sure for my sister as well. Um, she, she's also my inspiration too, <laughs> which I get to. But yeah, growing up in, we grew up in it. Uh, we've been going to like Sangit since I think way, way before I was born. I know way before I was born, mm-hmm. but I was, re- that's just my norm. Like going to Smogums and going to Sangit is just yeah. my regular day-to-day life. Like I've never known anything different. Um, but we were also raised in like a, um, I think like we definitely don't take on the cultural side of things very much and I just never even realized that was a, a thing until I like I didn't know what a hmm. jot was and went until I was in high school like <laughs> genuinely I had no idea <laughs> I was on that little Facebook thing and it was I don't know if you remember those groups it was like join if you're a jot and I was like I don't know am I and I it had, yeah. all the, <laughs> it had all the names listed and it said sangha and I was like oh that's me cool <laughs> this goes to show you how like we really did not know I did not know at all like my dad does not care about class system anything like I didn't even know it was a thing (laughs) but yeah um no like I I genuinely grew up without knowing any of that like Sangeet is has been our life Mm -hmm. since day one um and my dad is definitely my source of inspiration um he grew up in he grew up in it as well. Uh, he, he used to drive around Sankarnam Singh uh, He was like his little his driver. <laughs> and um, I think that's what, I think they grew up in that. And then we went, to, we've been going to Sanseva Singhji programs, um, who is right after Sankarnam Singhji. And uh, mm-hmm. so my whole life. So he's been our, he, my dad is like, number one like sangeet every weekend um like he he's ingrained it into us clearly because i didn't know what a jet was so i really did not know about any of those things like it was so not important like that was such like the bottom of the list what's important is like mm-hmm. is doing your nickname every day is remembering god's name like that's all that matters and and I've, like my sister also a huge inspiration because I just always looked up to her. She's she's 12 years older than me, so she's a lot older than me. Um, and she like she also did a lot of things on, on her own, like even when she chose to wear the stud, like that was her own choice. And um, mm-hmm. it was something that she had a desire to do. And I, I think is like so, so it's so strong because it's not like anybody in our family like other than obviously my dad and like no woman in my family were this thought, but she mm-hmm. had the desire when she was like 12 years old, I think. And like, or like something wow. super, some super young, 12 or 13 years old. And she had the desire and she started and she has never taken it off. And she's just been so strong in her Siki. And I always, I've always looked up to her. I remember writing about her as like my hero when I was in high school. 
just because like I, I think that's something that I definitely we're different in for sure we're very different if you mm-hmm. look at the two of us a lot of people don't even know that we're sisters we're we're very different yeah. but I think like the external is um obviously is not as important because it, in our and you if you look at our values they're very similar but mm-hmm. because of her external I am so inspired by her like to walk out in the world every day and be so proud to be like, I'm like, I'm Guru Gobind Singh Ji's daughter. Like, and I can tell that you're Guru Gobind Singh Ji's like Guru Gobind Singh Ji's daughter. Yeah. That's amazing to me. So she's always been really inspiring to me. Um, and it's like, I just grew up with like, like they are always listening to Geethan tracks, her and my brother. And like, mm-hmm. we've been doing Geethan since we were little. Like, it's just part of my life. It's how I grew up and the values of it have, they just, they become who you are and I yeah. will never be able to, it doesn't matter really what goes on my, in my life. There's just become part of you. So like they are, who, that's who I am. And um, I'm grateful to my parents and, and my mom, she is just like, like a little ball of love. So I get all my love from her too. Like I just, ha- I think I have really amazing parents that uh, brought Saki into our life in a way that like has shaped who we are you mentioned at the start of the podcast that um the way they teach in india with the monks is that spirituality and religious is part of the teaching structure but that's not necessarily the case out in the west Mm -hmm. um but when we spoke earlier um i I think a few weeks or months ago uh you mentioned that sikhi does inform part at least parts of what you do as a as a teacher um, so do you want to speak upon how Sikhi informs your day-to-day duties as a teacher? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think I think the like idea of like comp- compassion and love and I, it's interesting that you said that because when I got when I got to go to those schools and see that, I think that's what allowed me to be like, oh, you can still, it can be part of your practice. Like I might not be outwardly telling students like, you know, this is what it says uh, like on Ang 262. (laughs) I'm not telling them that obviously, but (laughs) which is like maybe what they get to do. Right. But I, I do get to, I get to take the, because like, I think the beauty of like the key is that it's so deep, like, and it's so, like you get to take mm-hmm. those aspects of it and I can apply it into my, I, I apply it in my day-to-day life and I can apply it into my teaching. Like the mm-hmm. compassion, the love, like, you know, I I get to apply that to each student because I get to see like this this person in front of me is a soul, right? Like this is a soul. Yeah. This and, and they might be making me really mad right now <laughs> and being super disrespectful. And, but like- yeah they're they are more than than this right like they're worldly like they're they're got them they're like this is, has shaped what's happening right now my got them with mm-hmm. this student is shaped what's happening right now so i can like yeah. like in those moments where i feel maybe i'm having a bad day and this kid is talking back to me i, I think that's those are the times where i can kind of stop and i can think about those things and i can bring that i can bring my like my thumb into it and be like okay this is more than this. And I need to not take mm-hmm. this personally right now because I, and I just need to step back. And so 
and I, again, I'm not perfect. I don't do it all the time, but those are the times when I feel like I can bring that in. And then also I, I tell my students all the time, like, I, I'm going to teach you all these things. And I really do hope that you can take a lot away from it. But if you just take one thing, like just one, one thing for me, I just want you to go out into the world and be kind and compassionate and be a good person. That's all I really, Mm -hmm. really care about deep, deep down. And I tell, like, it doesn't matter if I'm teaching law, if I'm teaching social studies, if I'm teaching career life, if I'm teaching art, if I'm teaching food, I tell all of, like, I tell them all that because, and I think that's where, like, the Saki, like, informs, my, my Saki informs my teaching is because... I want them to be good people and I want them to make good choices. And of course I want them to learn all this content, but more than that, I want this content to help form them being good people when they step outside into the real world. I want them to think about the things that they do and how it affects other people and how it affects themselves and their souls. And, and mm-hmm. I don't want them to talk badly about themselves. I don't want them to talk badly yeah. about other people. And I want them to know, like, like I'm not going to tell them, yeah, this is going to, you know, like I'm, I'm not bringing the like literal aspects of Saki into it, but I am bringing the like what what's outside of that, right? Like the principle of it that mm-hmm. this is going to affect you long term in some way or another. Yeah. And I think those are the ways that I get to bring it into my teaching. And and it for me is my pedagogy is like I bring compassion and love is like my my main source and growing like that's another thing is mm-hmm. like always like. I also tell them I learn from you as well. Like I'm, I might be the teacher and I might be teaching you things, but I'm also a learner. Like you're also informing me. You're also helping me learn and grow. Like, and I, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm supposed to be doing in my whole life in the bigger picture too. So I feel so grateful that I get to do it every day as well with the students. We spoke a little bit about you having to, let's say, put on a face or having those bad days in the classroom. Um, You're someone who's offering help to so many people. You're teaching so many people. Do you ever burn out? Um, And if you do, how do you recover from those burnouts? And if you don't, how do you prevent them from happening? I definitely burn out, (laughs) for sure. Um, Yeah, I, I think it is, like I said, it's a very hard job and it can definitely take a toll um yeah I I usually like I will take a a day for myself if I need it if I really feel Mm -hmm. like it's too much I think you do really have to listen to your body and um like I think that's like what's happening to me right now is like I've I've got a cold and I I know like I know for there's nothing it's not cold enough for me to be getting sick right now but it's my body telling me like you are doing too much and you need to take a step back and mm-hmm. and I and I plan on listening to my body and I think that's really all we can do is like you can listen to yourself and when your body's telling you or like like sometimes we know right like things are getting too much and I just need to take a step back so I think dealing mm-hmm. with burnout is really taking time for yourself and rec- like taking time to rest and recover um and like in the same way, I, I think taking time for yourself in general, like as much as this is my job and it's my passion, I also have to do things for me. I can't work all the time when I leave yeah. work. Like I, I definitely do, I, I, but I've tried to limit it. And that's something I've learned from older teachers. And they have kind of told me like, 
you know, you need to make time for yourself or like I've, I've seen teachers emails where at the bottom it says, I do not reply after this time um, for my own like mental well-being. Or, like they like literally write mm-hmm. it there and I'm like, okay, this is something I'm going to need to implement into my life because yeah. as, as much as it's my passion and I enjoy it and I love it, it's also, I do also have to do other things for myself. So um, I, that when I have burnout, I'll take the time off sometimes in order to avoid, I, I do, I do limit myself. Like I'll work for two hours after school and then I'll be like, okay, it's enough for today. Like I might mm-hmm. have so much more to do and I have this pile that's definitely stressing me out a little bit, but I, I know that if I continue to do it, I'm going to feel so tired and I'm going to feel exhausted and I won't be able to like go yeah. to the gym and I need that time to do things for myself. Fair. Um, the next question is is one of the favorites I've been asking this season. Um, if you were able to speak with first year undergrad Manlene, so just before starting that diploma program, mm-hmm. is there any advice or lesson that you'd give her, knowing everything you know now? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> um, first year undergrad, I think whew, maybe... Um, I would just take everything in, (laughs) like, just appreciate every moment. I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't want to say anything that would alter the path that I took. But I would want to stop and appreciate some of those moments because you're not going to get that back. Like, you'll never go back to that moment. And and I think we get so caught up in the, I got to do this. I got to finish this. I have to next, 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 next. And I would mm-hmm. like, sometimes I look back and I'm like, I honestly, that was such an amazing time. And I, I wish I like could appreciate it more in the moment. So maybe just yeah. like stopping and yeah, smell the flowers, <laughs> stop and smell the flowers, stop and appreciate where you're at. And um, I would want to say like, be less stressed out and just accept everything for as it is. But I think that was also part of it. Like I, I needed to go through all of those in order to grow to where I am right now. So I wouldn't change, I wouldn't want my, I wouldn't want to give myself advice that would change anything, but I would just want Mm -hmm. me to like stop and appreciate the things that did happen. And yeah. Going from the past to the future, where do you see yourself in a few years? Um, I think I would like to, my long-term goals, I don't know if they'll come to fruition, but I do want to do my master's in like South Asian or like I want to do Sikh history, but that's very hard to <laughs> to find somebody to help you yeah. get through that. Um, but maybe like South Asian history, um, I would like to do my master's in South Asian history. I've started um, doing school for other like my education for my uh, like this thirty credit program, but I mm-hmm. would like to I would like to do. Yeah, master's in South Asian history. I would like to one day maybe become a professor, but I I really enjoy teaching high school right now, like a lot. I love it, yeah. but I do love it a lot. So, but I think I'm sure there'll be one point where I might be like, okay, <laughs> I've had enough. <laughs> um, so yeah. maybe at that point, I would like to maybe become a professor uh, in a university or college. I think that would be amazing. 
Awesome. So we're near the end of the podcast and we like to end every episode with what we call the random five. So I'm just going to ask you five totally random questions just so the listeners can get to know you a little better. And the first question is, what is your favorite book? I love Harry Potter. <laughs> I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. <laughs> like, of course. Like to not good. Like I've read them like over 30 times, like each book. I have a real problem. <laughs> Wow. I feel like everyone, I don't, I don't want to generalize, but I feel like anyone born in like the 90s, yeah. their, their only answer is ever Harry Potter. Harry Potter, um, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. What is your favorite quote and or Barney Punkty? Oh, that's hard. <laughs> that's too on the... <laughs> um, hmm. My favorite quote. Can I skip this? Question? We'll come back. Yeah, to let's, we'll say let's redo it sure. while I think that. I'll think about that one. <laughs> sure. The next one is what is one of your weird quirks? One of my weird quirks. Uh, I don't know if this is a quirk, but I have a Slurpee addiction. Uh, <laughs> I drink Slurpees every single day, one every day in the summer. Yeah, it's a. It's also a problem. Fair. <laughs> No, okay. That, that That is a weird quirk. Okay. I have a friend who does the same. Yeah. yeah I'm not a fan. Um, if you could meet anyone in history, who would it be? If I could meet anyone in history, oof. Uh, Govind Singh Ji. <laughs> that's an easy one. <laughs> I was like, I don't know that's if I want to be so uh, obvious, but yeah, that's definitely... <laughs> That, that's usually what everyone says. They'll start off with obviously good going saying, and then they they go somewhere, somewhere else. else. Yeah. But um, what is your biggest pet peeve? Um, loud chewing. I can't handle it. It drives me crazy. And burping. Like, I just when people burp like with their like you can close your mouth and burp too. <laughs> we don't should be so aggressive about it. I agree. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. And I'm going to loop back to the second question, which is what is your favorite quote and or Barney Punkty? Um, Nere Baba Nebura. That one. Because <laughs> the world is insane. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, I think that one always sticks in my head. Um, yeah. The whole, like, I just feel like sometimes I feel like I'm going crazy and i'll just like that shabbat will make me feel like yeah you're the only one that i can always just come back to and yeah yeah you he makes me feel sane but i am insane because i'm living in this crazy world and i get caught up in it really fast so yeah Mm -hmm. awesome so that wraps up our episode for today before we end off is there anything you want to leave with our listeners um no, I think I just am really grateful to have done this podcast and I'm really grateful for all for all the things that you guys have done. And um, I think it's such an amazing initiative, honestly. And just like I maybe get the small opportunity to bring uh, Saki and representation into our community, you guys are doing that with this podcast and everything that you do. And I, yeah, I feel really grateful to be a part of it and for you to do that for our generation and the next generation. And they're so lucky to have such inspiring people like yourself. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. We, I'm hoping all the listeners appreciate you taking the time, but thank you so much for sharing your story, being so open. Um, but for our listeners, we'll end the episode here. We hope you enjoyed listening to Manlin Kaur. Wahiguji ka khalsa, wahiguji ki fateh. You've been listening to the Experience Sikhi podcast. 